Hello, Breakthrough listeners. It's time to embark on your journey towards mastering the infinite banking concept. Ascendant Financial is Canada's gold standard for guiding you every step of the way on your journey of becoming your own banker. Visit mybankersvault.com to purchase our show-stopping package and receive your free wealth accelerator. More money, more control, and fewer taxes await you. Discover the advantages of having ready access to money on demand precisely when you need it to seize high-caliber opportunities with confidence and to watch your wealth soar. Visit mybankersvault.com. Again, that's mybankersvault.com. Tired of the nine to five? Tired of only dreaming about the things you want to do? Want to have more time for your family? More time for you? More time for you? This is the Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast, where we interview qualified guests in the real estate industry all across Canada. We want you to live life on your terms, and we want to help you break through to that life through the power of real estate investing. This is the Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast. Now your hosts, Rob Brake and Sandy McKay. Good morning, everybody. Early morning start for us today. Um, super pumped and excited to have our guests on that we have today, but also super pumped and excited again to talk to Sandy. How are you doing? Hey, Rob. I'm amazing. How are you doing today? I'm very, very good. Uh, I'm, you know, it's rainy season here in Costa Rica, so I'm getting a little, most of the time it's sunny in the morning, but today it's raining. And it's been, and actually, it was raining really hard when I woke up, so I was a little concerned that you guys wouldn't even be able to hear me over that, but it uh, seems to have calmed down enough that uh, we can proceed with the show, so we're all good. Well, are you getting ready for your group coming down there soon? Uh, will it be rainy season still? No, no, of course not. <laughs> okay. we, it's designed to be uh, beautiful and sunny every day, so... Uh, you know, I've got that planned out. If, if the rain comes, it won't be because I called it. But no, it's supposed to be, uh, you know, around uh, mid-November is when the rain will just disappear. And then it doesn't come back for months. So mm -hmm. if you see any rain in there, usually it's like, you know, a little sprinkle or something like that. Mid-January, maybe there'll be something like that. But other than that, it's, you know, there's no rain here for months once it stops. It's an interesting climate. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, no, gearing up for the event, um, we've closed it off. I mean, obviously, if somebody calls and says that they want to come, I guess uh, we can arrange that, but we've closed it off. Um, I've got eight people coming this year, so it should be good. should be fun, and uh, keep you posted on how it goes, and start planning for the next one, of course. Any idea on the type of projects or uh, 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 real estate you're looking at? Yeah. Um, we're going to be seeing a bunch of uh, like condo projects in uh, Las Catalinas, which is a beach town. It's a walkable beach town. It's a, around 20 minutes north of where I am. It's really cool. It's unique. It's, it's sort of European inspired. Mm -hmm. And uh, they're doing a whole new uh, expansion, like double what they've got there now. And that's just starting. So we're going up there. Uh, really cool condo project right at the top of the hill in Tamarindo, but still like walkable to everything called La Vista. Yeah, we've got some cool stuff planned. It's going to be fun. Awesome. Awesome. What about you? What's going on? <clears throat> What's going on? We're doing a whole bunch of stuff. We just did a, 
a few renovation projects finishing off and um, refinancing, <laughs> uh, which uh, which we haven't done in a little bit in a while. So that's it'll be interesting. I haven't been that active in the last couple of years. If uh, if uh, I'm not sure if, how much I shared about that, but we've been uh, we've been working on uh, revamping our portfolio in some ways, and uh, and so this will be like the first refinance project in almost like in this weird higher interest environment. So we'll see how that goes. I think we'll, low expectations for. Uh, <laughs> what that'll look like but but it's okay it's, a, it's been a good project regardless so it's uh it'll it'll work out not a classic not a classic for example a little, little different but uh yeah. other than so that still able to move forward that's what you're doing right you, in the, well yeah in the for climate, sure sort of uh shifting what things look like but still advancing there's always a good there's, there's you know there's never a um a market where you can't make deals happen there's always something to do uh, the numbers shift or the strategies shift a little bit, but you know, there's always a, there's always an opportunity. There's lots of opportunities coming actually uh, that we're seeing now starting to get some people in some tricky situations that they need help out of, which is, oppor- you know, opportunistic if you're ready to take action on it. Awesome. Uh, actually, there is one more thing that I want to mention. Um, one of our lenders, uh, one of my clients just bought a boutique hotel here a 16 room hotel and um and uh right at the last minute we got in with a new lender uh with uh banco nacional here in costa rica and we were able to get her uh 80 ltv so Which that is, is rare, right? that is unheard of here and uh and just speaking with the lender it looks like we're going to be able to continue to do that so it's new ground Hmm. Uh, it's opening up a lot of doors because before that it was 50 to 60% LTV. Mm-hmm. So this is uh, really exciting. It's going to, mm-hmm. it's going to be a, a game changer, I think for anyone looking here. Nice. Yeah. So excited about that. That's one of the big things, but anyway, uh, let's move on. Oh, I should say everyone listening should go over to breakthroughreipodcast.ca, download our free gift. And uh, what is that free gift, Sandy? <laughs> the ultimate strategy for building wealth through real estate. So once they picked it up, of course, you will get access to uh, everything else that we got going on. Updates on events like Rob's tour there in Costa Rica coming up and uh, whatever else we got going on. You won't miss out on a show or uh, anything else. So get on that on list. Investors Club. Investors Club events, uh, which we've got a great one coming up. And actually, it'll be probably coming out. Actually, it'll be probably the day that this show airs uh i think might be the the day of that event so if you're listening Which is when? november 15th <laughs> okay, so november 15th so- evening we've got a great event if you're listening and this just came out you're gonna uh yeah, still like be able to join us. go to the event go to the event vaughn investors club uh we got a great event on uh, capital raising which will be uh we've got a great uh, guest speaker coming out for it who's going to talk all about how to raise how to raise funds and uh, they've got some of their students that have come out that have done it through their programs and stuff. It's going to be pretty cool. It's got some great strategies. Yeah. But you do it every month, right? You do it every month. Yeah. So December around December 15th, probably somewhere around there. Give or Whatever take. the, what day Wednesday. Yeah. Third Wednesday of every month is typically it. December might be a little different. Um, right. But if you've never been out, uh, you know, super easy to access just, uh, just above the, uh, 407 in the GTA uh, near Vaughn Mills. And uh, we'd love to see some more faces there. We've got a lot of our listeners show, show up there and always uh, are in attendance. So it's great to see. But uh, 
but uh, there's room for some more. So come out and join us. Do you have a website for that? Uh, VaughnInvestorsClub.com. Right on. And, uh, and I guess go over to iTunes, give us a rating review, you know, help us get out there and uh, reach more of the people that want to hear this kind of content. Absolutely. Let's housekeeping done? Yeah, housekeeping is complete. <laughs> okay. Put the broom okay. back in the closet. Okay. Well, we've got some great guests lined up here, so let's bring them on to the show. Um, thanks so much for being here, David and Anuja. Yeah, thanks uh, morning, for having guys. us. Good morning. Hey guys, thanks for having us. Um, I'll do a little brief intro of you for our listeners who, uh, who don't know you yet. Uh, David and Anuja Pereira, uh, again, so thankful for you to be here. And I'll let you kind of fill in a bunch of these gaps and share a little more about uh, who you are and, and what you've done. But your venture into real estate investing, uh, from what I understand, started in 2013 with a triplex. And uh, looks like you've done a lot since then. Uh, and gone on to start um, you know, various types of investments, including some rent-to-own programs that we're going to talk about. Uh, and you've bought some properties in a few different areas too, right? Kitchener, Cornwall, uh, you've invested passively in some projects, so we can maybe touch on that a little bit. Um, other investments like the infinite banking strategy, you've done quite a bit in the investment world. So I'm looking forward to learning all about this and uh, what your experience has been and how we can help others learn from your uh, what, decade plus of experience in this space. So thanks, thanks for, you for being here, guys. And uh, let's get into it and learn a little bit more about what you've uh, been up to in your 10 plus years of investing. Sure. So I think I started with, uh, yeah, we started, as you said, uh, Sandy, 2013 triplex. Um, I guess looked for the, the hardest thing first. Uh, I don't know if we would have started that way. Knowing what we know hardest, now, but certainly uh, not, not the, the hardest, most, correct? Yeah, most, most yeah, people so might it was a hundred year, hundred year home in uh, near Gage Park in Hamilton. Uh, we had done market analysis. I went to a rain meeting in 2012, uh, which is where I kind of got the bug for this. Um, for real estate, took about a year or so to get action, although I was sort of dependent on Anuja buying into that, and I'll let her maybe tell that story a bit later. Uh, but I had to convince her for sure. Um, but we, yeah, we plunged in with a 20 in 2013 with a triplex in Hamilton, hundred years old. We were, the, the price was good. It was like 272. And then when we did the inspection, I think we got 9,000 back. So we were in for 263 and sold it six years later at, at double. Um, in those six years though, learned a lot. And there was just all this stuff that happens when you're managing tenants, when you have a hundred year old property, um, so it was, it was a good learning ground for us and it kind of taught us what we like and what we don't like about real estate investing as well. Interesting. Interesting. So, uh, you were saying that there was a lot involved in, in getting started, like in getting things off the ground, but so it sounds to me like you had the bug first and, uh, yes. and, and then had to sort of convince Anuja into it. So let's talk a little bit about that. Where, how did you even get started in the idea of it? Uh, so I, my parents, uh, so back when I was a kid, my parents owned a kind of a convenience store and then there was an apartment on top and they had renters. They used to complain about it though. For them, they were people who, I mean, yes, they liked the additional revenue, but it was more headaches, but I, I, I always thought there was something there and then didn't really take action for a long time. 
out of university, I was working and I think I was always looking for some sort of side hustle, side income, some way to, to make more and to do more, um, tried a variety of things that didn't really stick. Um, came across probably a rain ad, um, at some point. Uh, I remember t attending my first rain conference in 2012. Um, and just, I was blown away by the size of that community and kind of what you learn. And that sort of then got me into more Don Campbell books. Um, so just tons of reading. I don't know if there were good podcasts back then, but I remember trying to find different avenues just to, to kind of explore real estate further. And all the while, Anuja is kind of, we met in 2012. Uh, so the same year I went to that rain conference, I was kind of like coming home from those things and all excited and just sort of jacked up to like, Hey, let's, let's do something. And my, uh, my risk averse, uh, soon to be wife was sort of just nodding slowly and kind of wondering <laughs> if this phase would pass too. Well, I think what happens, uh, with something like that, right. Is I, I don't know if it's uniform across, uh, all relationships like this, but it seems to me like one person gets the gets all excited and then when the questions that they have can be answered that's when things like start to ease up right so if you mm -hmm. go in and you're like let's do this you know let's buy something <laughs> go, how does that look i don't know but let's just do it let's that just do it apply, right yeah so it's like when you come home from these conferences and you've got answers or how, like it will go well how does that work and then you explain it uh, that that eases the tensions and uh and obviously that person wasn't at the conference with you. So maybe, you know, she, did she start to attend these things beforehand or no, you didn't. I didn't. Um, you know what? David would come back jazzed, right? David gets jazzed up about stuff, excited. And like he said, I would be like, this will pass, you know, just like the other thing, it'll go away. And uh, I mean, like David said, I was really risk averse. So I was a teacher for 17 years. I grew up in an immigrant family. I was told like, you get a good job, you make money, you get a pension potentially, and you know, you don't get any debt. You pay off your mortgage as quickly as possible um, and don't owe money to anybody. And so the idea of taking another mortgage just didn't make sense to me. I didn't understand the idea of good debt at the time. And it took a lot of education, a lot of me probing. Um, and even when David had answers, he would give me good answers. And I was still so skeptical. Um, I just didn't understand that leveraging ourselves more, but making more money through it. Like I didn't want to pay more interest. Like I just didn't like that idea at all. And so it took a while. Um, and even after we bought that first property, it came with its headaches. Um, you know, we had to redo the stairs to the upstairs with like a $15,000. And I just kept calling it a money pit. I think I called it a money pit until the day we sold it for, you know, <laughs> um, that, that large profit. I was just continued to be skeptical. I kept thinking like, I just didn't understand, I guess is what it came down to. And it took David um, being really patient. If there's anyone out there who's trying to convince a spouse, it took a lot of patience and it took me time to really get comfortable with the idea of, again, leveraging ourselves more. I had questions about where's the money going to come from? How are we going to do this? And even when he had answers, I needed a bit of time um, because those ideas of bad debt and not owing money and paying off things as quickly as possible was ingrained in me since I was a child. So it took time and it's still, 
There's days where it's still uncomfortable, to be honest, um, but I continue to work through it. And listening to podcasts like yours and other success stories, those are things that helped me. Very common for couples to be a little bit like not fully aligned right away in that sense, because it's often what attracts couple, like complementary uh, characteristics, right? So it's uh, someone's a little more risk adverse and the other one's a little more maybe out there entrepreneurial and whatnot. And that, that usually has some sort of a, uh, a challenge that eventually happens when you're starting to take action like this, right? So I'm glad you uh, shared some of that experience because I know there's lots of, uh, my wife and I have gone through that as well. And, uh, and, and, you know, Rob probably is the same oh, and others. So it sounds like, she, they're telling our story too. You know? yeah. <laughs> yeah. What about uh, friends, uh, parents, that sort of thing? How, how did that impact uh, the decision making there at the beginning? Because, like you said, you know, you're brought up in, in an environment. Usually, we're, I mean, wherever we are today, we're a product of our past experiences, and often all the way back to childhood. There's lots of things really deeply ingrained in us. Uh, what did uh, friends, family, and, and and their input? How did that impact things? You know, my parents um, had some investment properties um, when we were growing up, but it was not really something that I understood fully. They had they had bought a condo in London on a tip from an uncle, and it just sort of sat there. They were really passive about it. They paid a property manager. Like, they weren't very active. They owned a proper, an extra property where we grew up in Cornwall, and, you know, it wasn't a big conversation. We didn't talk about it. I knew they had these places, but we didn't really talk about it. Um you know, once we started doing it, I think they trusted David's excitement about it, at least my parents. Um, you know, they they trusted that we were making good choices. We were older when we started investing. So I think there was a trust factor. We both had steady jobs at the time. But you know what I think is really interesting to me is when I think back at that time, I didn't have any friends talking about investing, right? Like once we joined the community, I realized there are so many people doing so many things. And it almost felt like a secret at the time, like something that we were not to talk about. It was kind of, you know, taboo to talk about trying to make more money. And I didn't realize that there were so many people doing things un until we started the conversation. Like it was almost like there once we started asking questions, it's like all these people came out from the woodwork saying, I have an investment property or, you know, I've invested in these REITs, you know, like we just didn't know. And I think, again, it was some of that programming of it's, it's impolite to talk about this stuff. And the realization is our network has changed so much now. But at the time, we didn't really, David had some friends um, through his MBA that, you know, he would talk to a little bit about investing, but it has grown exponentially since that time by digging ourselves into the community. Yeah. My dad said headache. When I first told him that we were looking at buying a property, his first word back to me was headache. And he was thinking back to his experience 15, 20 years ago with tenants. This is a Peterborough in the 1990s um, who didn't pay rent. And his tenant profile, well, I don't think he even knew what a tenant profile was back then, right? And he never had any sense of training on what to do. Um, whereas I, I just sort of, I tried to sort of alleviate his concerns without really getting into too much of an argument about it because I'm also somewhat stubborn. I, I was going to move ahead anyway. Mm -hmm. um, but I also knew that I was working with a really good realtor and I'd gone to rain. I had read the book. So I was going into this with a more, with an advantage of some knowledge and education that he did not have. So I was confident that I would be, we'd be able to pull it off. At the end, he was probably right. It was a headache or there were a lot of headaches that we uh, encountered that we didn't expect. But again, I wouldn't trade that experience because then it right. sort of yeah. acted as a, as a, 
a, a board to the to the next level. Well, I mean, if you start your own business, that's a headache as well. But people do it all the time. They just don't look yep. at it the same way. Well, this is a business, but I'm saying like in the traditional sense of starting sure, a business, yeah. right? Like, and and of course it's going to be a headache. It absolutely is going to be a headache. That's why. That's why. So you're expecting no bumps in the road. You just want us. You just want smooth sailing while you, you know, no matter what you do, that's not going to be the case. Yep. So I do find that that is often what people say and, and the things that you hear around a water cooler at work before you decide to start investing is everyone tells you, don't do it. Don't yep. do it. You know, and that's, uh, and, and there may be those people in the woodwork that are sitting on the other side of the room and they're not saying anything because they've got like, like you said, there's seven people around you saying, don't do it. One guy over in the corner that has done it and it's just keeping his mouth shut. But until you do, like you said, go to those uh, places where, you know, there's common ground, like the uh, investment clubs and things like that, you, you aren't going to meet those people, most likely. It's a small group. You know what, though, I have found, Rob, by being a little more vulnerable in social situations and work situations is people are more apt to start talking now, right? Like, I think starting the conversation, you definitely don't get it at the same concentration as you do at one of these meetings. But there are people out there, I think, who do want to talk about it. And I think there are opportunities like we've started conversations and and I think someone has to do it right to be that person to say the uncomfortable thing to get the conversation going and not make it taboo. Right. I mean, oh, also yeah. when you when you start when you start doing it more, right? You start even just one off little convos leads to you're going to attract more people to do do it around you, yep. and you're going to end up in that group, like unintentionally maybe, but you're going to end up in that surrounding over time um, as you continually take action and do more do more things. It says uh, here, it says here, Anuja wouldn't invest until you guys were married. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so yeah. it was a bit of a forcing function. Well, um, <laughs> see, the other side of that, Anuja, I wouldn't quite call our marriage a forcing function. But... <laughs> it was a shotgun wedding. <laughs> you know what? It was actually. Um, David proposed to me in March, and we were due to have the big, huge Indian wedding in December. And uh, we ended up find, starting looking at properties. And once we wanted to close on one, I was like, not until a ring is on this finger. So we had a secret wedding in David's parents' backyard. And, uh, it allowed us to buy that first triplex. See, in a way, you could have just let him do it. Had all of the, you know, the onus on him. He See, needed. You know, he, like, need, he needed. He needed me. And then you I, need, I went, needed. The, oh, I needed the co-signer. No. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> no. So two reasons I married her. She was a teacher, so the great benefits. And then number two, I needed a co-signer on the house. So. <laughs> Uh, great, great love story. Great love story. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure there's they'll been write some books some, they'll write books someday about this. Yeah. Um, that, let's talk a bit more about that first experience. You talk about it being a basically, you know, a buy and hold style property, uh, and talked a little bit about the challenges there. Um, sounds like there was a decent cash uh, windfall at the end of it. Uh, yeah. But can you talk about the experience there? It's a kind of a classic triplex sort of uh, small multifamily investment for someone to start out with. It's Fairly, I, I, from what I see, fairly, fairly typical um, starting grounds. What did you learn through that experience, uh, through those challenges? And was it worth it in the end? You kind of said it was, but was it? Why was it worth it? What type of financial gains actually happened there? 
Sure. So I think in terms of getting started with it, so we did an inspection again, first time I'd ever worked the home inspector because uh, I'd only lived in a condo. We'd lived in condos, right? So we'd never gone through that process and I'm reading the binder and I don't know what most of this means. I'm not handy. I'm completely useless when it comes to like home maintenance and home renovations. So I remember flipping through this thing. I don't know what a soffit is. I don't know what any of this stuff is. I'm like, I'm just looking for check marks and I'm looking for like green and red to tell me how good or how bad is this. And I reached out to a couple of people. They're like, yeah, it's, it's a triplex, like expect headache. So anyway, we, I, I got them to kind of narrow down. Okay. What do we need to fix before we can start placing tenants? Uh, we had to renovate the basement. So it was a triplex, but the basement needed work done. Uh, I have no idea what it would cost to do that. So we relied on our realtor a lot and he pointed us to kind of the right tradespeople and, and connected us to, to, to good people. We worked through it. Um, Every year when I did my taxes and I'm kind of lining up like hey, the revenues were this in terms of rents coming in and then all our expenses. I remember we did we barely paid any income tax on our properties because there were so many expenses. Um, and it wasn't just like the heat hydro. like It wasn't the usual stuff you expect when you do a pro forma. Like I, I did like I'm a I'm a numbers guy. So I, I ran the numbers like five percent. Uh, I think I had a property management fee. I think 7% for kind of just re whatever, like repair and maintenance. I had occupancy, like all those things that you're supposed to do when you run a model. But that's not, that wasn't our reality. Like I found like every year I was kind of like prepping the spreadsheet for the accountant. There was all these other things that never accounted for. So um, we had one name, someone called the fire department about our basement and I had to then put in different doors and like there was just things to be fixed that cost an extra 8,000. Nuja mentioned the $15,000 staircase outside. Um, tenants, especially basement tenants, they're, they're going to turn over every year, right? And so you're always going to have that one month of vacancy uh, and then just the effort to place a new tenant. Uh, there's always just like fridge busted or like just stuff that breaks, right? Um, and so for me, the buy and hold experience, I, so I'm glad we did it as we, we, we doubled our money in terms of we, we bought it 263, we sold it 525. Uh, and of course, I mean, we're only in for 20%. So it's more than doubling our initial investment. Um, but I think new investors who are kind of really excited to go in, just make sure you know what you're, make sure you understand the strategy that you're going for. Uh, are you someone who looks for passive? Is passive better for your lifestyle? Or are you handy and you're willing to take on the challenges of a hundred-year-old fixer-upper? Um, we didn't really think that through. or I didn't really think that through. I'll, I'll take the blame there. Um, I just sort of looked at the numbers mainly and didn't, and just assumed everything else is going to work out. And yeah, there'll be some maintenance. It was way more maintenance than I expected. Uh, and even though Hamilton is only, the house is only 35 minutes where, away from where we lived, um, those trips can be just a pain in the butt in terms of having to go to and just dealing with issues and hearing from neighbors that our tenants are doing this. So just be prepared that if you are going to own your own property, and even if you have a property manager or self-manage it, stuff's going to come up. Um, and then the numbers that look very shiny in the very beginning, which is going to help you make your decision, reality may not be as, uh, uh, as smooth as, as it looks. So now it, it sounds very similar to my actual first investment where just it was a it, it was the money pit, right? So um, the thing is you fix everything up and then you sell it and the next person doesn't have to deal with all of those things that you had to deal with, right? So yeah. 
but yeah, no. It's it's funny because when you're looking at an investment, it's hard to sorry the rain is getting pretty loud here, but it's hard to <clears throat> take into account all those unforeseen things. Yep. So that's something that everyone should try to work into their numbers, especially if they're buying something older. Mm -hmm. Um, let's see. Well, you guys have so you guys have really taken off by by the looks of it. Like ever since like. Basically, when the COVID lockdown and all of that madness started, that seems to be like your your like the starting point of your like race, almost. <laughs> so, uh, so tell us like it looks like you guys just excelled through that. So let's talk about that. Yeah. So things changed a bit since 2020. Um, I would say we leveled up a little bit in terms of uh, digging deeper into the real estate investing world. Um, there are still, we are not where we want to be. There's lots of people doing lots more than us, but we certainly um, increased in terms of like doubling down on real estate. So I, over COVID, um, did finish my real estate license and uh, was both a full-time high school teacher and a real estate agent Max, at the same time. Things got busy. And since then, I ended up retiring or resigning from my career and and uh, and leaving that career that I did for 17 years. So that was That's a huge. lot. It yeah. was, you know, I, I mean, I sort of described me being so risk averse. And again, David was the one who helped convince me. You know, I had a lot of I mean, I hate to get cheesy a little bit, but like self-limiting beliefs, right? About, am I going to be able to do this? I'm leaving this really secure job that I love for like a little bit of an unknown. And certainly we're in an interesting time to leave my full-time career and, and dig into real estate in Ontario. But at the same time, it has been a really huge growth experience. And, uh, you know, when I don't look back by any means, you know, but it's, it was a really big change. Um, we bought four properties over COVID. So we bought uh, a pre-construction in Toronto um, and bought a rent to own property for ourselves where we're the investors. And then also have uh, two more properties that we bought buy and hold investments in Cornwall. So in the last couple of years um, have continued to invest. Um, you know, we have two young kids. And so finding ways to do these things while parenting has been really interesting. But, um, you know, it's been a busy, it's been a busy few years. David started um, Rent to Grow Homes, which he can talk a little bit about. But, you know, I would just say that we have dug in a little deeper. I think COVID brings that out in people. You know, you start thinking about where you're spending your time and energy and, uh, you know, between our family and real estate investing, those are two things that are really important to us. Do you want to talk about rent to grow, let's, uh, David? Yeah, let's hear about rent to grow. I, I see a few uh, cool stuff, a few cool points of what you've done there. So let's hear about that. Sure. So yeah, in 2020, I was with a friend of mine, and um, we were talking about just kind of catching up over COVID, and um, realized we had both done real estate investing, and sort of, and we trusted each other, and we're like, hey, why don't we figure a way to do something together? And so wound up uh, invest. So. We looked at pre-con condos. We looked at new developments, tons of things, and didn't find a model that we loved. And then I heard um, uh, I heard Rachel Oliver on a podcast talking about rent to own, and um, called her up that night. Um, 
kind of got some information. I had read a book about rent to own from Mark Loeffler about 10 years ago, because Mark was our original real estate agent for the Hamilton triplex. So I knew about the concept, loved the idea of win, win, win. I just hadn't taken action. It just hadn't been in my top priorities. But uh, hearing Rachel kind of spur that in me again. So I kind of shared the podcast with, with my partner uh, and he and I uh, jumped in and wound up investing in a property in December, 2020 uh, in Brampton. And it's honestly been the easiest real estate money we've made. And the reason it's been, it, it's passive. So I went there once. And so it's literally, it's less than 30 minutes from our house. It's Brampton. We're in Mississauga houses in Brampton. I went there for the inspection so I could see the place, look at the report. I knew a little bit more about how to read a report. Not that much more, but I was a little bit better than I was in 2013. Um, met the tenant buyers. So I got to know like them a little bit more and am I comfortable with them? Since then, I've never been. Anuja, the realtor, has never been to this property. And every month, the, uh, the, uh, the rent comes in by e-transfer. And I've never had to deal with the tenants. I've never had to deal with any issues. So it's been literally the easiest real estate money, a total um, contrast to the description I gave you for our Hamilton triplex. So we realized, so my partner and I realized, look, Rachel's got a really good business. There are other rent-owned businesses that have these massive investor lists and it's hard to like get on and get a deal with them. So why don't we start our own rent-to-own operating business where, because we know friends and family that have HELOCs that want to invest that want to be passive, and this would be a good fit. And we're not trying to necessarily build this massive scale business, but if we can get a few deals as a rent-owned operator, that would be really interesting. So we hired a coach um, to uh, someone who I knew who had a lot of experience with rent-to-own. We probably knew, I think we went in knowing that we know about 60% of what we need to know because we've gone through it from the investor standpoint. We've been in real estate, we've looked at contracts, but we know there's this 40% gap. And you don't know what you don't know. So we hired a coach to kind of teach us what we don't know, got all the contracts, all the process stuff set up. Um, and then life and other work got in the way. So nothing happened for a year. And then uh, late last year, early this year in 23, it was kind of like either we just let's put a stop to this. We've sunk a little bit of money, but not a big deal. Or we take one final like, let's push it. And putting my marketing hat on, that's that's my background in terms of my main job or main, my main career, I'm like, well, where's the right market? Who's the right profile? Like asking all those sort of fundamental marketing questions. Anuja and I had bought properties in Cornwall in early 2022. Um, reason being, she's from Cornwall. We go there for holidays to visit family. And I was shocked at the real estate prices there being actually quite reasonable and the rent being great so that you can cash flow. So knowing that Cornwall is a cash flow type of community, it works for rent to own. And then looking at the tenant profiles of do people, are, is there like that top 10% of people that need, uh, that have decent incomes, but need the help with credit scores, improving that and need time to save down payment, that profile exists there. So went all in on, on Cornwall as my market. I've been doing like radio ads, uh, Facebook ads, reaching out to like the networking, reaching out to realtors and mortgage brokers. And for the last little while, we're doing about a deal a month. Um, so it's it's nice to see some success coming out of that. The summary of rent to own is, it, so I'm trying to help two groups of people. Uh, I'm trying to help the tenant buyers that have good incomes, but cannot get a mortgage today because they don't have the credit score or the down payment. 
And so by doing a rent to own for, let's say, a three-year term, we give them that three-year bridge to help them improve their down payments or their, uh, or their credit score. The other group of people I'm, at, I'm helping are investors. So if, uh, and really passive investors. Typically, we're often working with first-time, second-time investors that really want to say, David, take my money and give me more money back in three years. And our promise to them, or, or, and I can't say obviously a guarantee, but the way we kind of structure the deal is that they get 20% annualized return uh, over f- for three years, right? So if you put in 100, at the end of three years, you'll get your 100 back plus another 60. And uh, so we've done a deal a month for the last four months or so. Um, and just nice to have momentum. Wow, that's, uh, that's impressive. Deal a month for the last four months. That's great. Yeah, it was it was zero for the longest time. And it was just, again, looking the wrong angles, doing the wrong marketing things, just like just didn't nothing clicked. And then all of a sudden, the right people are hearing about us. Um, the right connections are kind of pushing things our way. And all of a sudden, as, as you guys know, um, it, it's it's never linear, right? Like it's, it's often the hockey stick curve where you start like flat, flat, flat. Then all of a sudden it just takes off. Um, so that's what I'm experiencing now. Again, it's not a scale business. I'm not trying to treat it as one. So I get to be very selective with who I deal with. And I always say my job is risk management. My job is to make sure that I'm reducing the risk of for my investor. I'm also reducing the risk for my tenant buyer. Um, and so we're, we're very much tenant first. The first thing is to qualify the tenant, make sure they're the right people, do like a pretty deep vetting process. Once they're vetted and approved by my broker, then we move forward. So um, that, that's the biggest component of my job as a rent owner operator is, uh, is risk management. Very cool. Um, and like, there sounds like there's a lot of work in this. Sorry about the rain behind me. But um, uh, how do you guys balance, you know, work life with uh, home life? Because that's tough sometimes. Yeah, you know, it's, um, it is a lot. I think it's become part of the culture in our house, um, in terms of like, we've taken our kids with us to a rental property try to and we play a lot of monopoly trying to understand helping helping them understand um you know they've come with me to like stage a house right like they're really part of um it's part of our household and i think part of our household is also you know we work hard, but also that we're trying to help people. And I think we're trying to teach that to our children, right? So there's a lot of things that we're doing, even in the rent to own, David talked about trying to be helpful and trying to teach the kids that they're, you know, there's a lot of investors doing really amazing things in terms of making money, but there's also people who are really finding ways to help others. And so we're trying to like build that as part of the culture in our house is that these are exciting things that we get to do. But, you know, one of the easy things um, of, with being parents of young children is that it's really easy to just work and become co-parents. And so maintaining our relationship as a couple is really important. David and I share an office, which is interesting at times when we're on calls, but you know, we, we share a space now and we're in, we know what, what's going on with each other. We have conversations that are not just about hockey and the kids and picking who's picking them up and what's for dinner. Um, you know, we have conversations about other things like we used to when we didn't have kids. And, you know, so we try to get a date night pretty often. Luckily, um, both of our parents live really close by and are really active in our lives, but it gives us an opportunity, um, to keep 
a relationship, to have, to be a couple as well as parents and and sometimes business partners. Um, but it's exciting for us. You know, the last three years have been really fun. We've done a lot of goal setting. We've talked about where we want to go. We're talking. We've talked about why are we doing this. I remember it was like one a.m. February or something, twenty twenty two, and we're both sitting in the office. And David looked at me and he's like why are we doing this? You know, he was working on rent to own. I was full-time teaching and in the middle of a real estate deal, you know, and he was like, why? And so we had to answer that question for ourselves. You know, it's really easy to put our heads down and just keep working, just do more and more and more. But answering those questions for ourselves and getting aligned on why we're doing this, what's the legacy we're trying to keep for our children? You know, what are we trying, like what's enough money? You know, all those things have been really important questions and exciting ones. Like it's 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 fun and exciting to think about what our future looks like. Um, I sense you have a few more tips around how do you, how you work together uh, and and build, uh, <laughs> build this together. Well, you said a great point, like what, why are we actually doing this? Because uh, working as someone who does work with my wife pretty directly at times as well. Yep. Uh, it's not exactly the easiest thing. However, it's got amazing perks and there's, there's pros and cons. Some of them are amazing perks. We can work at 10 PM on things that, that I wouldn't typically be doing with someone else, but as a con to that same thing, I can work at 10 PM on work stuff. That's, <laughs> uh, that is not probably why we're doing this. Right. So how do you balance all that? What are some tips? Thanks having some boundaries on like when we work and like knowing each other's work style. So um, like, I don't mind being the late owl um, and sort of getting stuff done. Whereas Anuja tends to go to bed a bit earlier and then she'll wake up earlier. Um, we have multiple rooms with, sorry, we have more, we have three rooms in our house with uh, the extra monitor. So for example, for this podcast, um, she won and she's in the office. I got booted to the basement. Um, and so just being able to balance things like that, even in the house, just like total logistics, I think just figuring out, I think also, yeah, figuring out like, Hey, what happens when we, we both have calls, right? Who's going to go where? And I think being flexible with your partner, right? So like, just I think I need to touch upon the communication. So we, we do talk a lot to each other and kind of let each other know what's going on in our day, what's going on in our lives. Um, Hey, do you need sort of a break or do I need a break? Um, so that, that happens a lot. And then also, I think it's also very easy to just be stuck in your, in your pair. Um, and so she goes out with her friends or I'll go with my friend. Like we encourage each other to go out. Like whenever that opportunity comes up, it's always, yeah, go. Like it's always the default is yes, go, unless there's a really good reason not to go. Um, and I think that that's worked for us, right? Like, I think what we're saying are tips that have worked for us. It may not work for everyone else, but I think the, the gist of it is like be flexible, over communicate, um, and then the, I guess the last thing is back off also, uh, when you need to, um, yeah. when Anuja yeah. was starting her real estate business, um, one thing I've learned from what, observing her is that real estate is sales and marketing is a huge component of it. I, I'd never realized that until I saw it firsthand and my background is marketing, right? So I had so many ideas I wanted to throw her away. I remember writing up documents and like, hundreds of ideas on you could grow your business by doing this and this and this and then one day she just sort of like looked at me just like i can't do all this stuff just back <laughs> off back off and she was right like i was totally overwhelming her and so now i've kind of learned to sort of pick my spots on when i give feedback and how i give feedback yeah i think i would call david my biggest critic and also my biggest cheerleader and i think that balance of being the both of those things um, and finding the right ways to do it, which he hasn't always. But, you know, he is able, like I'm able to take 
you know, constructive feedback, but he's also, I mean, I would still be in teaching if it weren't for him, right? Like I would have never left if I didn't have his confidence in me um, to push me through, right? To take that risk. I left my pension on the table, right? Like to leave all those things. Um, I needed him to have my back, but I also needed him to like step up and give me the confidence that I was, I was scared, right? It was a big risk for me. And um, I definitely needed to borrow his confidence for that, for that to happen. But you know what? It's also, you know, we are involved in each other's lives in terms of even business, right? Like I know what's going on and he knows what's going on. And um, it's a balancing act and it's going to change again as our kids get older. Like there's always this rejigging that continues to happen. Um, but the willingness to work on it and sort of that unity, I think, gets us through the tough times, I guess. That's fantastic. So I'll say her mother, her, uh, her mom, my mother-in-law still hasn't forgiven me for pushing uh, the change, uh, the career change. I still get, uh, I still get looks from her. But she can obviously see how happy you guys are. So, um, now you, Anuja, you're doing the podcast as well, right, with Dan? Yeah. So, uh, you know, we joined some a, a number of masterminds, which I think if you're an investor and not in a mastermind yet, like get in a group. It was a game changer for us. And so uh, we were in this uh, mastermind called the Cashflow Crew that Dan started a number of years ago. Um, we were meeting online and uh, and I joined in and it was around the time when I was considering leaving the career. And there was a lot of teachers in that group and it was so supportive. I was so pleased to have the support of that group. But through it, David, our marketer, sort of said like, you and Dan need to do something. Like you're, you're a good balance, um, you know, he he knows a lot. We have very different paths in real estate. And so, you know, again, with that opportunity to try to help, we started this podcast um, called Beyond the Bell. Um, you can find us on all on all the major platforms. And really, we are geared at trying to help teachers who, again, have a similar mindset that in general, um, a similar mindset that I had um you know, in my career and, and sort of that, like we have the pension, we don't need to think about retirement mindset um, to try to encourage them to start thinking about doing something outside of that. And, uh, you know, we've had some amazing guests, other teachers who have who have done some really great things and, and done different types of investing and uh, different types of, you know, Bitcoin and all these other things that uh, that they've been doing. And so Dan and I have had really great feedback from the podcast. And it's been, again, one of those opportunities where it feels like, you know, we're doing some good things in the industry, but also just like helping people. We're getting these messages from people saying, I've listened to, you know, your first 12 episodes this week and I'm really excited to start investing, you know. And so just opening people's minds to the idea that it's not as scary as it could be, you know, and, the, and, and, you know, we're doing some education pieces around how do you get the money? How do you place a tenant? What does maintenance look like? And really trying to educate educators on, on something that they may not have their mind open to yet. That's very cool. Well, thank you guys. I really appreciate you guys coming on today. Um, if I'm, I'm sure there's going to be people that want to get in touch with you guys. So how can they do that? So for, for me, for David, um, so my main uh, business is the rent to grow homes. So if you just look up renttogrowhomes.com or info at rent to grow homes, um, I'm, I'm pretty responsive. And Anuja? 
Yeah, so I can I can be reached at Anuja at AnujaPerrera.com. Um, and through there, you can find more information about um, my real estate stuff, the podcast, um, and some of the work that I'm doing um, helping with seniors. So um, yeah, trying to help some adult children get their seniors into their, their parents into the right place. And uh, yeah, so lots going on. But uh, yeah, feel free to get in touch. And, and if we're, we can connect you with any of the guests from the podcast, um, we'll do that as well. And what area do you cover as an agent? Yeah, so I'm mostly like Golden Horseshoe. I'm in the Mississauga area, but uh, I've gone pretty far lately for people who need it. Um, you know, my my last houses are out like near Aurelia, but uh, you know what? It's uh, it's mostly around the Mississauga, Toronto, Hamilton, Niagara area. Okay, very cool. Well, thanks, guys. Appreciate you coming on. And Sandy, how can people get in touch with you? Yeah, this is great. Appreciate it, both of you. Um, Best way and easiest way to reach me is uh, just find me on social media. It's Sandy McKay at it's Sandy McKay. Or uh, if you want to email me, it's it, uh, Sandy at freedomreps.com. And people can reach me at Rob at mrbreakthrough.ca. Again, thanks for listening, guys. And we will hear you and see you next time. You've been listening to the Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from the show. And we hope you've been inspired to take control and live life on your terms. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, make sure to like, rate, and review the show. And don't forget to subscribe and listen on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. See you next time.